Hello, my name is Dean Bobar, and I am the Adult Life Minister at Christ Pacific Church in Huntington Beach, California. As a church, we are seeking to cultivate a vibrant community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world so our neighbors may also experience God's goodness. You're listening to our Year in the Bible podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us or to subscribe to this podcast, visit us at cpchb.org. Have you seen the 2003 film Lost in Translation featuring Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson? It's a rom-com that features these two in Tokyo as they navigate age and language and cultural barriers. It turns out there is quite a lot lost in translation. Yet there are tons of possibilities for understanding and connection even across these barriers. Your English Bibles have traveled across enormous barriers to land in your hands. Your English Bible has traversed between 2,000 and 3,500 years of history to get into your hands. It's traveled the distance from ancient Hebrew and Koine Greek, both of which are dead versions of these languages, traveled the distance from those now dead languages to English. Your English Bible has crossed over cultural differences between the Bible's ancient Near Eastern context and our post-postmodern Western world. It would be difficult to exaggerate the monumental task of translating language and culture and history so that we can hear the Word of God speak to us, and yet, by God's Spirit, through the work of scholars from many different disciplines, and with our humble listening posture, the possibilities for hearing and understanding and connecting with the Lord as He speaks to us are tremendous. It's possible for us to become like trees planted by streams of water as we delight in the law of the Lord, as Psalm 1 tells us. One question that I hear fairly often is, hey, which Bible translation should I read? And we have lots of options. So how do we make sense of our options and choose something that will ultimately result in a flourishing root system like that tree planted by streams of water? Well, it's helpful to consider our English Bibles on a kind of spectrum where one end of the spectrum is very rigid in its attempt to stick to the original languages, and the other end of the spectrum exercises more freedom in attempt in an attempt to make it more readable. An example of the rigid end of the spectrum would be something like the New American Standard Bible, the NASB, while the New Living Translation, NLT, exemplifies a readability end of the spectrum. Well, on this spectrum, our English translations generally fall into one of two translation philosophies. In other words, the point of view and the goals of these two different translation philosophies. The first is called formal equivalence. It's a kind of word-for-word translation philosophy. The second is called functional equivalence, 
And it's more of a thought-for-thought approach to translation. So let's compare these two philosophies, the formal equivalence translation philosophy and a functional equivalence translation philosophy. So first of all, formal equivalence. Translations that use a kind of formal equivalence approach are attempting to remain faithful to the form of the language, every word of it. These are helpful translations for in-depth Bible study because they show the reader or they allow the reader to get a little closer to the original language and leave more interpretation in the reader's hands. Now, one of the challenges with formal equivalence translations is they tend to be kind of wooden, a little bit stilted in English, making them a little more challenging to read. Another challenge with formal equivalence can be seen in this kind of funny example from 1 Peter 1, verse 13, where we are told to, quote, gird up the loins of your mind, unquote. Now, What on earth does that mean? This is a great example of a first century idiom that is meaningless in the 21st century. Gird up the loins of your mind. What does that mean? Well, translating the meaning of this phrase, which would be something like, ready your mind for action, or maybe more simply, just pay attention. So, to translate the meaning of this phrase rather than the form of the phrase is probably a little more helpful to those readers who don't know what gird up the loins of your mind actually means. So, what about functional equivalence? Functional equivalence translations use this approach in an attempt to remain faithful to the meaning of the original language. Okay, so formal equivalence attempts to remain faithful to the form of the original language, every word of it, where a functional equivalence attempts to remain faithful to the meaning of the original language. And they often do this by translating thought for thought rather than word for word. And so these Bibles, which use a functional equivalence approach are generally a bit more readable. Now, a danger of a functional equivalence translation comes with the possibility that the translation committee may have actually misinterpreted the meaning of the original words. And that possible misinterpretation is now embedded in the translation itself, which leaves the reader no choice but to adopt that error. Well, what about paraphrases? These are fairly popular these days. What are we to make of them? Where do they land in the formal versus functional equivalence? Well, paraphrases are not actually translations, strictly speaking. So they are in a category all on their own. Three popular paraphrases are Eugene Peterson's The Message, The Living Bible, And then an older one that was just a translation, or rather a paraphrase of the New Testament, called J.B. Phillips' translation of the New Testament. So, paraphrases can be helpful interpretive tools. And I want to show you one example. It's from 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 11. A formal equivalence reading from the NASB sounds like this. 
Then the king of Israel replied, Tell him, Let not him who girds on his armor boast like him who takes it off. Now, a functional equivalence translation, the NLT, says this. The king of Israel sent back his answer. Quote, A warrior putting on his sword for battle should not boast like a warrior who has already won. And now a paraphrase from the Living Bible. The king of Israel retorted, Don't count your chickens before they hatch. Do you see the difference? So, really the question is, which translation should I read? Well, the brief answer to that question is whichever translation you prefer the most. Just be sure that you read the Bible. And I mean that genuinely. Whichever translation works best for you, just as long as you read one of the translations. And I say this because nearly all the major English Bibles available to us have been translated by large, interdisciplinary, interdenominational committees of Bible and language experts. And I would hesitate to say that there is a, quote, bad translation, or even a, quote, best translation. That's because they are simply different. Different translations take different approaches and have different outcomes. It's really a good idea to have several different translations at your disposal, especially from different spots on the translation spectrum. For example, you might have an ESV, which is a more formal equivalence translation, as well as an NLT, which is a functional equivalence translation, and then maybe also an NIV, which is kind of halfway between those two. Thankfully, these days, you can read nearly every translation online, including in parallel, so that you can see clearly the differences between the translations. And reading a Bible in parallel from several different translations can be a very helpful tool to give you a clearer picture of what the text says and means. Now, you might know that I generally read the New Revised Standard Version, NRSV. This is just a personal preference of mine. The NRSV works well for me because it's near the formal equivalence end of the spectrum, offering me a little bit of insight into the original languages. But it's less wooden than an even more formal translation like the NASB. I also happen to appreciate the NRSV's approach to gender neutrality. So it uses language like brothers and sisters instead of simply brothers, or children of God instead of sons of God, or ancestors instead of fathers. So I encourage you to read what works best for you, and then know a bit about where your translation lands on the spectrum. Now, the point of all of this is articulated very well in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, translated into English these three ways. First, the NRSV. So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. 
And now the NIV. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And then finally, a paraphrase from the message. The point is, before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, there's nothing to listen to. So friends, may I encourage you, read whichever translation works best for you. And better yet, read from a couple of different translations from different spots on the translation spectrum. And as you do, may your faith deepen and expand that you might come to know the one who is revealed to us in the word, the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, happy reading. Thanks so much for joining us for our Year in the Bible podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our Year in the Bible campaign to subscribe or learn how you can become engaged with us as a church, please visit us at cpchb.org.